0: Hello, and welcome to the Can Do MS podcast. This is episode number 76, and I'm your host, Dr. Rosalind Kahl. Today, we're honored to welcome Dr. Ilana Sand, an MS specialist neurologist, whose research interests range from the mechanisms of neuronal degeneration in progressive MS, to diet in MS, the role of the gut microbiome in autoimmune diseases, and neuromyelitis optica spectrum disorder. I'm excited to have this opportunity to talk with Ilana about the important role of the gut microbiome. Hello, Dr. Katzand. I'm excited to have you here for a conversation. I've been watching your work for some time now, and I, I feel honored to have this conversation for the benefit of our can-do audience. If you don't mind I'll continue on a first name basis. Of course
1: and thank you so much for having me here today. I'm excited to be here. Great.
0: So the gut microbiome has piqued the interest and curiosity of many researchers and people living with chronic illnesses like MS. Could you just start by explaining what the gut biome is and how it interacts with the rest of the body?
1: Sure. So The gut microbiome is really the collection of commensal bacteria that inhabit the gut. So it's kind of weird to think about it, but we have trillions of bacteria that are living with us all the time. It's not something we like to think about on a day-to-day basis, but they're there and they're doing a lot of different stuff for us. So um, everyone's bacterial composition is a little bit different. um, And we've really co-evolved over many, many years with our microbes. Uh, and they serve a lot of really important functions for us. So they help us digest our food and extract nutrients from our food. There are a lot of things we would not be able to digest at all actually without our microbes. And then thinking about what's really important to our discussion today is the widespread impact that the gut bacteria can have through a lot of different mechanisms with regard to the immune system. So about 70% of the body's immune system is really housed inside the gut, which is huge, right? Um, And so there's a really big opportunity there for some interactions. Uh, The gut bacteria can directly interact with the immune system through what is on the surface of the bacteria and then through different metabolites that the bacteria secrete in response to dietary input. So there are receptors on the surface of immune cells that can recognize the bacteria as well as their metabolites. And then they're gonna behave differently depending on what kind of signals they're receiving. So if there's a brand new immune cell in the gut, cause we just said that 70% of the immune system is, is sitting in there, right? So there's this brand new immune cell in the gut and that can be influenced to become either a cell that is more pro-inflammatory or a cell that is more anti-inflammatory. And that's gonna depend on the signals that that cell receives when it's developing. And that's gonna be different depending on which type of bacteria are living there. And it's also important to know that the gut bacteria can also release these metabolites into the systemic circulation. And that is gonna impact all the other organs in the body, including the brain.
0: So you sound very excited and very into it when you talk about this. Can you just give us a little background on how you got interested um, and involved in this
1: work? Yeah, sure. Um, So there were a couple different things I would say that inspired my interest in this line of research. The first is something that I think inspires all of us who are involved in MS research, which is the observation that Despite the fact that we've made so much progress in the last few years in terms of advances for treatments, we really do still have a long way to go. And there's a lot of work to do to really, you know, maximize outcomes for people living with MS. So that's kind of the first thing. And what that means is that we need to be exploring all of our options for managing MS better from as many different angles as we can. Um, The other piece of it for me was really my experiences with my patients uh, early in my training. People were always asking us about diet and the gut, and we really didn't know what to tell them. And at the same time, it seemed to me that my patients who had the healthiest lifestyle habits seemed to fare better over time. And I thought, you know, I really think there's something here and we need to look at it more closely. And it kind of just happened that at the same time. Uh, so, this was I did my fellowship um, in, you know, 2011 to 2013. And that was kind of around the time where there was this new line of research opening up everywhere in medicine, exploring the role of gut bacteria. And so, it it's kind of put together a couple of different interests for me. And, and that's how I got into it.
0: So, that's a great segue into my next question because I think people, um, ask you, and they ask us, it can do, so what, what about my diet? Do I actually have control or influence over this incredible relationship you're talking about between the gut biome and the immune system? Um, so what should people be thinking about eating if they wanna have the best possible impact on their gut microbiome?
1: Absolutely, really important questions. So uh, we mentioned that the composition of the gut microbiome is gonna be different for everybody. And there are a lot of different factors that are gonna influence the identity of those bacteria, which as we said, is gonna be important for determining what the influence is gonna be on the immune system. So things like whether you were born vaginally or by C-section, whether you were breastfed as a child, different infections that you've had, there are many things that we can't necessarily control. But the biggest long-term driver of the gut microbiome is something we can't control, which is our diet. Um, diet has a huge impact on the type of bacteria that are there, the bacterial composition, as well as the identity of those metabolites that are produced by the bacteria that are living there. And so diet is really important in terms of it, it being an influence on the bacteria. In terms of dietary recommendations, for people living with MS, this is a huge topic for me and related to um, this whole area of gut microbiome research, but um, you know, also separate, because I think there's a lot of different mechanisms potentially at play there. We don't yet have recommendations that I would say are evidence-based for people living with MS for saying, okay, this particular diet is definitely gonna benefit your MS. And this is definitely what you should do. We're not at that point yet. Where we are is that we have uh, a lot of really great people doing research on different dietary patterns, and we're learning more and more all the time. Um, so I think we're we're a few years out from having really good data. Um, you know, there's been some pilot clinical trials, and now we're trying to work towards scaling those up some observational studies, including some that we've done here at Sinai, but a lot of really good ones um, that people are working on. So I'm hoping we're gonna learn more about this over the next couple of years. We do have some kind of general recommendations. Um, I'm part of the National MS Society wellness research working group, and fortunate to work with some really fantastic people there um, and we have a nutrition subcommittee where we've developed a few recommendations where we've come together and said, okay, even if we can't say we think diet A, diet B, diet C is better, um, what are the kind of unifying factors that we can all agree upon that we think are gonna be good for people living with MS that we feel comfortable getting behind, especially as clinicians, right? If we're gonna make a recommendation we want it to be something that's based on evidence. Um, we want it to be reasonable. And so we've come up with a few uh, different things. And those are posted on the National MS Society uh, website, which I, which I definitely recommend checking out. But the things are, are kind, of, uh, kind of the things that make good sense. So um, you know, preparing foods at home as much as possible, uh, limiting processed foods as much as possible, steering toward fresh foods. Um, you know, if you're going to eat grains favoring whole grains over highly processed and refined grains, things like that, which, which we all agreed were things that would be good for general health, um, definitely favor uh, healthy gut microbiota. And even if we can't say for sure, you know, these are the habits that are going to benefit your MS in terms of acting as a disease modifier, we thought these were reasonable recommendations for promoting general health, which is also really important. Right? People who are living with MS are not, are not just people with a single disease, they're whole people. And we need to really pay good attention to general health as well.
0: So let's say we convince everybody to shift to this healthier, I assume it's close to a heart-healthy diet, the mm-hmm. kinds of things that people hear about. Yep. And everybody makes this magical shift to the healthier diet. Uh, diet. Will people feel better? Will they see their MS get better? And this is this is similar to a question we hear. Let's say about taking a disease modifying therapy. Well, if I take this therapy, am I going to feel better? Am I if I take this therapy, is my MS going to behave differently? So we get the same kinds of questions around diet. So what can people expect when they make this shift to a healthier diet?
1: This is what we're working on right now through research and the work that's been done so far um, by my colleagues that I mentioned and, and and by us here at Sinai, I think has shown that making different dietary changes kind of toward a more healthful pattern, whichever pattern it is, because at this point there's been a lot of patterns that have been studied, does seem to make people feel better. That part I think we can feel fairly comfortable you know, using the pilot studies that we've done, even though they're small. Um, I think we know that, that by shifting diet, we can definitely help people feel better. Yes, we do need to confirm that in larger studies. We need to do more work on specific patterns and people are doing mm-hmm. that. But I think the bigger question that our patients tend to ask us um, is, you know, can this be a disease modifier? And is this gonna really help me in the long-term? Is it gonna make me have less relapses or less MRI lesions? Is it gonna prevent disease progression? Is it gonna help preserve my cognition? You know, these are, these are the things that um, we really need better research to be able to answer. So we, we're doing that, you know, we're, we're trying. Um, we've done some observational work, um, our group and others that is getting published. Um, and so we're making progress. We're hoping to do some more longitudinal studies that look at the impact of diet and gut microbiota over time. And we have a couple in the works here that we're really excited about. So definitely stay tuned. Um, and over time, what we'd really love to do are some bigger interventional clinical trials that look at some of the outcomes that we use in our pharmaceutical trials. So that look at things like brain volumes um, and, and uh, disease progression. And so we can really you know see the impact but that's something that's gonna take some time and some funding to get done. So we're working on it.
0: Those of us who've worked in in MS for a very long time are are used to hearing that we have to have patience, have patience, but it is very exciting to hear that this work is going on. Um, And so glad that you're here to tell us about it. Do you have any final takeaway about the gut microbiome that you would like to share?
1: I think um, the one thing I do tell my patients when they ask, is there one thing I can do, you know, um, to promote a healthy gut microbiome is that I tell people, the more you can steer toward um, fresh foods and the less that you can rely on processed foods, I think the better off you're gonna be in multiple spheres. I think that's gonna make you feel better. And, you know, as we were saying, even if we don't have hard evidence at this point that it's gonna make your MS better, um, my intuition is that likely it will. Um, we're, you know, we're going to wait for that evidence. We're going to keep working toward it. But in the meantime, I think that's kind of one, one change that people can make. And, um, and I think it's something that's reasonable and I usually will help people talk through, you know, what are some small changes that you can make in your diet that will kind of push you a little more towards some fresher things. Um, and I, I do tend to find that helpful.
0: Well, thank you very, very much. I I appreciate your being here and taking the time for us. And I look forward to talking to you again next month about vitamin D and other supplements. So thanks again.
1: Thanks again for having me.
0: You've reached the end of another episode of the Can Do MS podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Rothwin Kahl, and thank you for listening today. I'd also like to take a moment to thank our generous sponsors for their support. Thank you to EMD Serono, Novartis Pharmaceuticals, Sanofi Genzyme, and Genentech. If you enjoyed this episode of the can Podcast, please be sure to join us again next month. We'll have Dr. Ilana Katzan back for another great conversation this time about the very important and interesting topic of vitamin D and other supplements. Till then, be well.